Welcome to the Monday Night Men's Forum. I'm Matt, Farm Hop Life. This is episode 50, Where the Buffalo Roam. And tonight, we just have Grant, Homestead of Pain. How's it going, Grant? Going pretty good tonight. How are you? Good. Um, We're late because I was just finishing up dinner. I'm working out of town. So, uh, here I am. Late. But, still going to do this, so... I'm surprised I, we haven't seen Scott on here in like over a month. Uh, yeah, I know. It's weird. Like he's uh, he's mad at me or something like that. Is he? I, I don't know. He's uh, maybe he's just like driving the road less traveled. This I don't know. Um, not sure. But yeah, I was on. I I did a TikTok live with Jeremy on Friday night. That was kind of cool. I wasn't invited. It was um, kind of imp- like impromptu, like last minute, like, hey, let's jump on a TikTok live. And I was like, all right. So what were you doing Friday night? I don't think I was doing anything Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe maybe the next one we'll, uh, we'll tag you. We'll, yeah. we'll get you involved. I'll get on live anytime. All right. I'll, I'll tell that to Jeremy. He so. should already know that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's because he keeps saying that you don't care about TikTok. I still don't care. It's just, it's, I don't know, I have a hard time taking the time to do a video. Because you don't care. Maybe. Too busy. Um, but yeah, let's, let's roll into personal events. So give me a, give me a personal event. This past weekend was my aunt's wedding, and uh, I brought strawberry-infused moonshine, and I had a turkey hatch last night at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was very loud. Um, it was loud? Yeah, it was It was loud. It was chirping so much. Oh, okay. It sounded like it was, you know, two or three. I, woke I thought up you meant, like, the hatching itself was loud. I'm like, did the <laughs> egg, like, crack open with, like, a sonic boom? Like, what is that? That would be a fun turkey. No, uh, it was just making a whole lot of noise. And then you, I woke up, I thinking I was going to have a couple, but I only had one. Oh, that's weird, right? Yeah. Out of 20 or something? Yeah, three dozen. About half of them didn't do anything. They, they just didn't take. Um, but again, I haven't been keeping an eye on it. I just set it up and left it. I hadn't mentioned in the incubator, isn't it like right next to you or something like that? Yeah, it's right here. Gotcha. Well, cool. Do you have a good time at the wedding? Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's not exactly my forte, it was more of a uh drinking pool party. So, I had had a couple, and then we ended up going to uh, my, my cousins who had uh. A baby shower, so nice. I'm just making sure I have the right settings. No. You hear me now? A whole lot less. You you were good before. Oh, I I was good, and now you can hear me worse. You're good now. I'm good now. Okay, yeah. good. Maybe a little loud. I'm a, I'm a little loud. <laughs> it's fine. 
that's what the volume button's for, right? Yeah, like when we jumped on here, and you let out the really big burp. Yes. I had to turn down my volume. I'm like, apparently that's too loud. Um, for for my personal event, I'm going to give a shout out to my wife. So being out of town, we got baby chicks in the basement. Turns out, like, I don't know what it is, but they're like, like she's allergic. My mother-in-law's allergic. And I think my son is allergic um, to something. It could be like the dust or from the pine shavings or something like that in there. Well, the baby, how old were the chicks? I got them when they were a couple hours old. How long? So ten days. Okay, I know that baby chicks can be very dusty if you have them in the sure. basement or shed. They'll put an inch, an inch of dust on everything. Damn. So like, we put them in the basement bathroom and then just keep the fan on to get like any stink just out of there. I thought. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, she. She took it upon herself to get them like a different brooder, put it on the deck, and then like get it all set up and everything. She like texted me a couple of pictures, like, is this light too close to the wood chips and da da da? But she handled it like all herself. It was it was awesome. That's like usually not her like her job. So but she so, couldn't have them on the house anymore. How cold is it for you now? The other morning, it was 40 degrees. Okay, yeah. So now, for me, I can just hatch chicks and just throw them outside without a heater or anything. Like, can yep. just, they can just be. Yeah, I made a, I made, made a tweet the other day. It was like, um, how to make iced coffee. It was like, make, make a coffee, take a sip, bring it outside with you to do some work, forget about it. Now it's cold. It was pretty tasty. What in the heck was that? I don't know. <laughs> now you're gonna go investigate. Um, the other thing I'll say is uh, I threw up a video about the about the rock wall I've been working on. It's yeah. done. Good. Finished. So I finished. I put up uh, put up that video this morning. So people should go check it out. Um. Yeah. So I didn't really understand the exchange you had that brought upon this topic. Oh, it kind of started off more like tongue in cheek. So the where the Buffalo Realm. Let's see. Oh, not invite. The other one. Present. Share screen. Brave tab. Not notifications. Nope. Well, you really one. finished that rock wall. Did you buy the stone or, or find the stone? Oh, no. That's all the property. That's awesome. I am not ready. Thank you. Man, I thought I had it. I must have must have did it wrong. Okay. Now we can present. Share screen, tab, this one, share. Okay. It was tongue-in-cheek in that, like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if... So, like, it says, my politics are let the bison and elk roam free again, but this time it's Yellowstone National Park rules. It's their home, and you're in it. They have the right-of-way. This came from uh, a guy we interact with a lot on, on Twitter, 
think he's in a couple of our Telegram groups too. That's what I was just checking. He looks like yeah. I talked just talked to him this morning, and I didn't. I don't put together who these people are, to be honest. Sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the same so, person. Okay. So, so this was this originally came from a tweet based on an interview I did two weeks ago. I think now. Do we really need to interview with intervene with livestock as much as we do? Let animals be animals. But uh, here's uh, in an interview with Amber Oaks Ranch, who was on last week, on the men's forum last week. And then Shudra says, your first sentence has another meaning that I'm currently so immersed in that I can barely read it the way you intend. We and livestock need to intervene much, much more than we currently are in order to save the planet. And... Um, there's a little bit of like uh, drama in there that I'll pass over, but based on another person who read it the wrong way, and like what? Anyways, so so that's does why he I mean said, using livestock to intervene with changing the landscape in a more regenerative way? Yes. Okay. That's what he means. Yeah. So then it got into you know all of this. Um, Yellowstone doesn't need intervention since they, got, since they got the wolves back. And I said, isn't that a form of management? I mean, let's let, let's focus let's focus on that for a second. Um, so, like Yellowstone, they didn't have wolves forever. Yeah. So, what I will say about that is, I have some very very good friends of mine in Idaho, avid hunters, bow hunters. They're they they're they, they've been doing it forever. And she says they've been since they've reintroduced wolves back, they've honestly caused more problems than they fixed. So I would I would say the letting because we have so much natural intervention as is since it's a state park, you know, and then having all these lands that are private property, people run cattle through it, you know. However you want to look at that, I think trying to reintroduce something like wolves back in to do the management, in my opinion, is stupid. I feel like you could do like sell, you know, tags for a hunt and then use that and just go back into funding for the park instead of just letting it be wolves do their thing. I would say that they shouldn't have got rid of wolves in the first place, but also yeah. like, why, why would they like take wool, like pick them up and like put them in there? And if you look at, if I'm not mistaken, the type of wolves they reintroduced and put back were the wrong type of wolf. It wasn't. There. Were they really? I think so. Uh, maybe specifically in the Oregon and Idaho region, they're not the correct type of wolf. Hmm. So it wouldn't I, surprise I, me that they I would under, do something like that. I understand it from a point of conservatory, but considering you remove them from the landscape to begin with, then trying to put mm -hmm. them back into the land, it's not like you're trying to repopulate, you know, the devastated Bob White quail. You know, you're well, they're wolves, people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like I think instead of trying to keep them out this whole time, if they wanted to come back into the park, you should let them come back into the park. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't try to on their them. own. Yeah. Trying to bring them in and do our through, you know, breeding and reintroducing them. I feel like that's 
a bit much. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, because then you can overdo it. But then who keeps the wolves in check? You know that that that's a that becomes an that becomes out of balance. And I feel like it would be fixed if you had it. We like here in Georgia, we now have a problem with overpopulation of deer because back like in the I think 60s, that's everywhere. Well, back in the sixties and seventies, they didn't. We, there wasn't any deer in Georgia, and then Martha Berry went out to Texas and then brought back some for our kind of region in North Georgia. Um, but then you didn't hunt them for a while. And then now there's a whole lot of regular, and they just gone crazy. And I don't think they've kind of updated, you know, their, the hunting regulations to adequately follow um, the population growth. Because we're seeing a lot of problems with, you know, disease in some of them. Yeah, you see that a lot everywhere. Yeah, and but so I would say specifically, like if you're talking about the bison, bringing the wolves back to to try to regulate them, in my opinion, is a waste of resources when you can just sell tags for a bison hunt and then use that again as funding. Because who wouldn't want to go on a bison hunt? Who wouldn't pay a couple hundred dollars for a tag? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we need to get the population way, way, like, back up before we we talk about selling licenses again. Well, yeah, I mean, I would think even before you add wolves, I think the population of bison should be significantly larger. They're trying to they're trying to bring back the wolves. In my this is how I see it, and then they're going to have to regulate both the wolves and the bison. Because the yeah. wolves are going to try to overregulate the bison, so now they just, just leaves you. It goes from regulating the bison to now you're regulating the wolves, and then you may have to do protecting more protection for the bison. So, I feel like it's slightly unnecessary. Yeah, I just I'm I just think about how much like how many bison that like were killed. Like all at once, right? And for the most part, it was to start about the Native Americans, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's get let's get it back. Let's bring those numbers back up to like ten million plus. Well, you'll never. Then, then we can talk about selling hunting, right? This is fantasy fantasy land, right? Yeah. But if they, but again, that that's only if they have a problem regulating the bison. Why bring back the wolves to regulate the bison if there's not enough bison to be regulated? You know sure. I mean? Yeah. So they could have, you know, even if they only got rid, did you know, ten tags a year, whatever, whatever they needed, you know, fixing, they did. They specifically, specifically did that. You know, and I'm not saying yeah. everybody gets it. No, I'm just saying like if you have a specific number that need to be in check, then do a, ra- a raffle every year with a specific amount of tags. Um, take the take the sick ones. The sick ones, the old ones, and then do something with them. I just like the idea of having uh, people having to stop their cars all the time, especially in like busy areas because bison are in the road. Like, so just yesterday, excuse me, it's open range here. Uh, I'm in. Uh, are you talking about for cows? Like, yeah, for cows. So, like, we're on our way back to the hotel and. I had to slam on the brakes because cow just decided to, to wander across the road right then and there. Yeah. 
it, it would be cool if you brought that back with Bison, but I think when it gets to private property rights and then wildlife, I feel like that's just going to get messed up. I feel like it's going to, if you have, again, if you want to, if you bring back 10 million bison, they have to eat something, you know, yeah. and other, other than, other than keeping Yellowstone at its capacity for bison and uh, other livestock that live there, essentially, it's essentially what they are. They're wildlife game, but if they're managed by Yellowstone, you know. Yeah. Josiah, <clears throat> who's been on the, been on the, men's forum before a couple times he said that i'm more of a genesis let me start over i'm more of a genesis 126 kind of guy but i understand the allure of rewilding things i'd be okay with some bison buffalo running around near me and i'm like uh, what what is that my, my dog ate genesis 126 what's it say he said then god said let me let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and all and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I said, yes, let's manage them, but what about what what level of intervention to the point that they're free or no longer living as animals would? So, like, <clears throat> okay, what, so what, what are you? What, it's what, it's what a big spectrum. It is. So narrow that down to be your question. Are we talking about are we gonna talk about livestock or are we gonna talk about wildlife? Wildlife. <laughs> um I'm not I don't know a, a ton about wildlife. So if you want to let's let's talk about dove. So dove is a migratory bird. We have a set limit here. Last year, I think it was it was or the year before that was the first year you could hunt at dawn it's had it hadn't been like that for the last 40 years so as the instead of hunting new you hunt at dawn so we have a limit here but say when those migratory birds get to argentina they kill them by the tens of thousands you know what i mean so they're pests because they, they fly they will cover the skies just look up argentina dove hunt it they don't. You don't reload your gun. Someone just hands you an, a fully loaded one, and a guy next to you re, reloads that one, and then you just, and then they just have huge grills, grill outs with all, and they just feed the people there with dove. It hmm. it sounds awesome, um, but short of that, for me, deer are a huge pest in my opinion, specifically for growing a market vegetable garden or a market yep. farm, farm, anything, anything like that. Even for my landscape or my flowers, just just my landscape yard, you know, when there are three bucks standing at the end of the driveway when you pull in, you know, that that to me that they're going to be eating my stuff, so that becomes a pest. So I'm just going to eat them all, and and not tell anybody. So. <laughs> They won't be a pest for me until they learn that don't eat my hostas. You know, they're gonna. That that's how I see it. I don't necessarily sure. is management. Um, I that's a form of management. It is. I'm not saying. But again, if you look at the people, in my opinion, who hunt nowadays versus people who don't, and you look at the expansion of metropolitan areas, you know, wh where do you do that? Because you're, you know, you're driving down at five o'clock at night, and a deer just walks across the road. 
you got to stop or you hit it. So I don't really know the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, have you have you eaten roadkill? I haven't, but I would. Depends on how fresh it was, but I would. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. if it just got hit, like I coming up within like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of it getting hit. I'd take it. Yeah. I mean, I would. The only problem would be the qual the quality of the meat because it probably got just hit by a truck. Yeah, you I might mean, have to throw the I shoulder mean, away or something. I mean, I'm just no, I just turned into dog food. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have dogs, but yeah. Use the bones as as, you know, in stock and broth. Um, sure. Make soups. But, yeah, you yeah. can do that. So, I guess the other the other one was like elk, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see that have elk all the way up? I don't I don't think it was up into Alaska, but it's definitely like up in like Vancouver, all the way down to Georgia, actually. Yeah, like it covered yeah. most of the United States. Man, wouldn't it be awesome to see more elk? I would say absolutely, but say because if you and and kind of onto that, like three four hundred years ago. If you look at the landscape, you know, most of the United States, southeastern United States, used to be plains, open fields, you know, like Savannah, yeah. Savannah, Savannah Plains. Later you have your old, you have your post oak trees here and there, but everything else would just be kind of grasslands in certain areas. Kind of specifically where we, where we are in like north, northeast Georgia and northwest Alabama, that used to be kind of plains, just right at like the base of the Appalachian Mountains. So, there would have been there would have even been bison down here. Yeah, and that'd be cool to see, but I just don't think it, it it'll ever happen unless there's a significant breakdown of everything that prevents. Probably, you know. <clears throat> but no, yeah, I would. It would be great if you had. I wouldn't even care to hunt them. But just to have them back down here would be cool. Yeah. And There's, I, know, um, I feel like go I, ahead. I feel like I've seen one a couple months back because it was like two to three times the size of a normal deer. It was huge. Yeah, they're huge. It was where I'm did like, you what in Georgia? It, I was dumbfounded. I was I was sitting in the I was You saw in this in Georgia? I was sitting in the back seat. We had the windows down. We were just driving. It was just in the middle of the pasture, and I just stopped, and I was dumbfounded. It was it was huge. It was, it, I mean, I would say it was would have been a horse, but it had antlers. <laughs> it was a horse, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it was it was much larger than any any average deer we get here because our deer here don't get that big. Yeah, they're definitely three times the size. I was trying to find. There's an elk herd, like just one herd in Colorado. I mean, Colorado has like 300,000 elk or something like that. This one herd is has like 20,000 elk in it. Isn't that nuts? See, if you want to talk about like read. Redistribution of why don't you just take that elk herd 
take a thousand, take a thousand elk, get a, get a ratio of, you know, bucks and does, and then just turn them loose in a, in a different state. Bulls and cows. Bulls and cows is out there for, for elk. Yeah. So, you know, why don't why don't they just do that? That seems really simple to me. I don't know because then you're messing with the management, right? So, like again, so what? But it's why in order to get the you don't have to manage it. You take it and you throw it out and leave it. But just by intervening, you're managing. Oh well, yeah, I mean, you look at how much we're involved in everything. Look at all the roads and highways we've put up. The thousands of acres that are being cut down for subdivisions. There, ha- at some point, we have to step in and manage. We should put an elk in every backyard. Just see what happens. Especially during the rut. Get two bull elk in someone's backyard. Sorry. I mean, and that's what's funny is, again, my friends in Idaho, they'll they'll post videos all the time of people, you know, going up to pet the elk. And they'll just jack them up. Oh, yeah. People, they don't. These people, they're stupid. They're city people. I don't. I don't know how any any other way. They're just ignorant of everything around. Everything with a mouth essentially wants to eat you, or not want to be eaten by you. So that they're, they're gonna they're gonna do what they do so that doesn't happen. And yeah. like the the best ones are the moose videos. It's like oh jeez, it's they're the size of a car. What, they don't want your cracker. <laughs> no, they uh, moose moose definitely wanted to just be like left alone. Mm-hmm. And if you don't leave them alone, they'll just mess you up. Yeah. There was a. Uh, I got back when I was um, early twenties. I got. I got. We saw moose, and I went over like on the other side of these bushes from it. Like the bushes were probably like 12 feet tall or something like that. And it was like munching on the bushes, but it could definitely see me. It definitely knew I was there. I was way too close. And I got very lucky that it just didn't was like, you know what? Like this kid, right. And just like stomp on me. That I was, should, should I not have done that? I mean, I probably would have done it. <laughs> Let's see if I can find that photo. And this is many, many years ago. But I, but again, I think there's a fine line between management and overmanagement or intervention. At some point, there there needs to be intervention because at some point, either it's gone too far one way or too far the other way. So unless we just unless but because there are so many ecosystems that have been completely off balance by so many different, you know, hunting events over the last 500 years, you know, thousand years in the in the in the United States, like the United States, like 12,000 years ago, used to have all kinds of megafauna. We'd have like yeah, four different what happened? we had like we had four different types of elephants, giant sloths, you know, huge, you know, bears. Um, well, essentially, um, a gigantic mega flood it just killed everything. Oh, sure. Um, and then 
clean it out. Can't find the photo. Yeah, it would be nice if we had all that megafauna. It would be. I don't know. But see, like, it, like again, what we it's, we probably it probably would have all got hunted anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is that is true. I was just thinking about like, well, we did have a bunch of megafauna and then we killed it all. Yeah, we and and but see, the megafauna we had was dwarfed compared to what we the other thing like. Like, you know, we had four different types of elephants. You know, we, we had in like North America? Three, in North America. Like the same type of megafauna you see in Africa, we had over here 12,000 years ago. I, was, I always liked that picture of like the ancient bison. Have yeah. you seen this? I think so. It's, it's like 50% bigger than mm -hmm. the American bison today. Yeah. It's massive. Awesome. Yeah. And so I still think that even if it were, the North America wasn't flooded 11,500 years ago, we would have still hunted everything. I mean, that's true. The like our government is the worst proponent of this. You know, they slaughtered all the bison just to just. I mean, that is true. Know, they they mandated that, right? That was their choice. It wasn't. Because they made the it was the, it wasn't the, it was the U.S. military that yeah. was made to do it, right? Yeah. And then you want to, and then you can get into like the fur trades and everything, everything like that. You look in Africa, you have the ivory trade, all all those things. You know, would they have even still been here? Probably not. Would what have still been here? The gigantic megafauna we had. Oh, you don't even if we didn't kill it all, you're wondering if it would still be here. Yeah, I don't, I think even if it didn't flood, everything would still have been killed off at some point. Because yeah, as as, as the as the development of the you had the colonies and as the the development of the nation as we're spanning west, there was a lot of development and a lot of use of grasslands turned to croplands. And there, there would just be not enough forage for elephants and gigantic sloths that are 12, 14 feet tall. There wouldn't be enough forage for them. There wouldn't be enough for them to eat as as the whole nation, specifically now, as it's been developed. We might have a handful of groups of them all across the West. But other than in zoos, I don't think we would have them. I don't think competition for food would have been too great as development expanded. It is true. Because if, like, the bison were tw were twice as big, and the only ones that left were the it was the smaller ones that needed less food, smaller fauna. You know, they could subsist off smaller vegetation instead of the the greater that we had larger vegetation. If that makes sense. Well. But everything everything manages itself at some point. So, so the bison that were the big ones, right? The massive ones. I forget the the name. There must have been at some point, like there was enough. There was enough for them to sustain yeah. themselves. And then, you know, if 
in times of like, let's say a drought or a flooding. So it's either too much water, too little water. Some of them would, some of them would die. Yeah. Right. Just from starvation. Yes. But we had mostly all of that was wiped out. And then I guess whatever smaller pockets that didn't were the ones that kind of came back and bounced back population wise. That's probably why they're so small now. Sure. The genetics of the smaller ones took off over the larger ones. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then, and then again, the large ones, that's the thing. Larger animals require the same amount, if not more amounts of food to sustain themselves. So, again, like I had said, even if all we had all those things, like all our, because North America had like its own saber toothed tigers and its own saber toothed yeah. cats and everything, even then, well, those say, I guarantee you, all those would have been hunted out because that, that's threat to livestock. I mean, the year, like the English would have probably gotten rid of all those when they started the colonies. And then on top of that, the Native Americans would have, I think they would have been able to just scalp off the top, essentially, like they did for a, a long time. Right. But again, as we developed the country and all the land, the prairie and everything became subdivision after subdivision after farmland. I just don't, they, there wouldn't have been enough food to maintain it. And I feel like they would have spindled fast. There's a lot of crossover of like the, the same ideas could be applied to people. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Anything, anything specific? Um, I mean, everyone's talking about how, you know, can't feed the world type of thing. Too many people, just that. Now there's like this latest, it, it seems like a troll of uh, having stir fry rocks. Have you seen this? I have. I have. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, um, I've seen a couple comments. I don't know if it's more of a, just a way to get vitamins and minerals from cooking the rocks or what. But it's two. It's two dollars for a bowl of cooked rocks in spices. And yeah, sauce. and you don't like swallow the rock. You, you just, just you like just, get. You literally suck the. You juice spit it out like yeah. You you spit it out like like a seed. And they recook it to me like like five minutes later. I guess you could burn off any germs. Yeah, cook off any germs. I don't. I don't know if that's a cultural thing for that specific region. Like they just had to learn to eat rocks because they had no food. It's in Asia, of course. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder. Um, I guess you bring up a good question. Like, is this new, or are we just? Are we just now hearing about this? I doubt it's new. They've probably you been mean like. It region for a very long time <laughs> and it sure. just became a cultural thing I mean think about how many people found out about bat soup at the start of coronavirus right well I think a whole lot of people like, really dove into the whole idea of a wet market when that happened 
you know, penguins, apes, dogs, cat, any animal you think of at a wet market or where sometimes it is skinned alive and then and then and then you kill it. It, it, it's it's horrifying, but I mean, penguins into like primates. Why would you eat that? For what novelty? And it's just at a it's like a black market meat market. Yeah. It, it's yeah, that'd crazy. be that'd be wild to see. Like, why would you want to eat bats? <laughs> you know. And yeah, it. I think you need to eat a lot of them. Yeah, I got into depending on the bat, I guess. I ended up watching a lot of videos on wet markets, like the actual video and footage from wet markets when COVID happened. And it's just animals in extremely terrible conditions. Literally, the treatment is awful. Just terrible. I can't even put into words. I uh, back to back to wildlife management, but about bats. I was listening to this podcast about this guy that has been like a bat researcher for like forty years or more now. Mm-hmm. And bats, I can't remember why bats has gotten such a bad rap. I don't remember what he said, like how it, how it got started. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, bats are kind of kind of awesome. Um, yeah, so this guy, he like totally uh, bat pilled me. Like I'm, I'm like big fan of bats now. Like I want to build a bat house and put it, put it around my property. But anyway, so this guy, he was telling me that bats has got such a bad rap that there are people that go out and just like deliberately like kill an entire cave of bats. And what they do is they go take a tire, bring it to the entrance of the cave, throw gasoline on it, burn it, and then all those toxic fumes get in the cave and then just all the bats just drop dead to to the floor i hate that that's just ignorance at it at its peak yeah and that's yeah that's awful so i guess where where are you thinking we should we should go from here well we didn't really cover livestock maintenance and livestock intervention which I'm very against any really much. That is the type of, I sent it in the chat. If I'm pulled up, that is basically the size of that house. I want to build. It's basically a bedroom on stilts. Jeez. I'm going to share this. Yeah. You know, you can do this too, right? What do you mean? You can, you can, uh, uh, I can ask to share things. There, this is what Grant wants to build. It's like the top of a house on stilts. Basically, that's what it is. I'd say that's pretty good wildlife management. It's it's a bad barn, basically. Encouraging, uh, encouraging bass to stay there. But for me, I would want a trap door at the bottom. So, like every six months, you clean it out. You can harvest the bat guano as fertilizer. You don't even have, there's no input in the bats. You don't have to feed them anything. You don't nothing. Sure. It's just free manure. It's a free manure crop. Could you just like have the bottom at an angle and just like spray the one side with, with water so it kind of like washes down like a trough and catch it in an IBC tote? I haven't thought that through, but no, that's essentially what I want to do is use it for 
No. Uh, everything I want on the farm, I want it to be a self-sustaining circle. And I want to try to keep as much fertility in my soul as possible. And getting that from exterior, you know, ways is, is more like chop and drop. Sure. Um, you can do that with canna lilies, specifically. Um, great chop and drop mulch. As much to keep and maintain soil health and productivity for and an infinite amount of time and having bat houses is a way to give your soul an extra boost that you usually wouldn't have had it. Whether you use it as a compost tea, you just spread it over everything. I feel like it's, it'd be great. I'd love to try it. You kind of bring up something interesting, like trying to do wildlife management for the homestead. So yeah. what I, what I considered for a while was uh, where we used to get our chicken feed from. They have like 200 rabbits just running around their property. And I was going to take like, I don't know, 25 of them and just like let them go on my property. Yeah. And they, they can figure out their little dens and whatnot. And if we needed something to eat, just harvest them. So and then they'd poop all over the property. I wouldn't. I don't really want them to do it all over the property. I want it to be contained, so I sure. can then harvest the the fecal material and then spread it where I want it. That's why I got rabbits. I ended up getting four rabbits. Um, they are Tennessee redback and then Florida cottontail mixes. They look like wild rabbits. So if I wanted to breed, you know, get you know three kits for my does, you know, they're old enough to throw them out in the yard. Then I could then I could do that. I could, you know, spike the rabbit population. Do I want to? I don't know. Will they will all those dozens of rabbits end up in my garden and my, you know, my market crop? Probably eventually. I just figured having them in like um, colonies, you could have a couple different rabbit colonies and then hard like scrape out the inside and harvest that. You can add organic material to it. You can essentially forage all of your rabbit's food. Yeah. It. Specifically during spring and summer. And if you take that forward thought to like your greens, like in like your Swiss chard and maybe sun dry that out in the sun, get leaves. From, you can like essentially make your own hay form, but also in, you know, fall and spring or fall and a little bit in the winter, you can still grow greens. You could just grow their grow their food all year round with minimal input, like mimosa trees. Mimosa trees, their leaves are great for rabbits. They love them, and they're very mm. high in protein. There's a guy I've been thinking about getting on the podcast, just because of how he does deer management for his property. So he's in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's got like this whole company that sells like, uh, like protein shakes and stuff. It's pretty good. I buy, I buy a bunch of it, but his, what he really likes to do is go bow hunting and he both hunts everything all over the world. But where he's at in Iowa, he like takes, he'll, he'll take like a skid steer and do, you know, this and that shape the property like this or that plant over here, plant over there, put a, ground blind here, put a ground blind there, camera, camera, camera. And he just 
tags these monster bucks like every year based on, you know, this, like this setup that he's got on his property. And like, it'd be interesting to know how he does that, how he encourages, how he encourages the deer to come, come there every year. I mean, that's interesting to know. I don't have, I don't have any desire to hunt deer. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to set them up to come to my property. I would want them to stay away because I intend to just have all of, all of it used for something specific. And I don't really, they don't really have any room in my plan because I don't want them to eat everything. I mean, if you're planning, shouldn't you, shouldn't you plan? For wildlife to be a part of your system, if it's a good oh, system, I mean, you, can't, you could, but most of the system is just going to be leave it. You just develop it, and maybe once it's developed, yes, sure, I don't care. But during those early development stages, a deer could come through and strip a peach tree. Yeah, that's and, why I fenced all mine off. Over, yeah, you, you can fence them off. Um, but that's going to be, but even you, when you start getting into planting your landscape specifically with beneficial plants that are like native and stuff like that, I don't really want them to kind of get in the way because they're getting in my way. You know, it, it's different. I'm looking for to just grow it and establish it. And I just assume because to me, they're a pest. As a market gardener and a even, it's just unnecessary fencing to keep them away. If you can fence off your perimeter, they can stay, just stay away. You know, and that might be a little bit too harsh of an opinion or mindset to have. It's just, I, I would rather have more small game, like again, rabbits and squirrels and quail, than things like deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, so I, I like having deer around sometimes. Depends on what they're getting into. Like exactly. last last year when they were getting into my chicken feed, they jumped the fence and were eating right out of the chicken feeder. Didn't care that I threw rocks and hit them both right in the head. Um, they came back and then so I had to figure out something else. And then, but I'm also kind of in the wrong like district or zone. Yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with deer. It's, it's I don't want deer where I don't want deer. And if I see them there, yeah. I'm going to eat them there. Yeah. Essentially, you know, if I have if I have you know a blueberry patch or a strawberry patch that I have fenced off and I have segmented, they're in it. Well, I'm gonna eat it. If, yeah. they're in, if they're in my peony patch, well, I'm not putting, I'm not investing a significant amount of money in a peony patch for them to come through and just disturb it. Same thing goes for wild hogs. It's like, a, it's a no tolerance policy because I understand it's wildlife and I don't have no problem putting up deer feeders, you know, in more remote parts of the property. But again, all of, so we get my great grandmother's place. That's 13 acres. 
that's 13 acres that's going to be full of – it's going to be pat, individual paddocks rotating goats, sheep, cows, pigs, and chickens through pretty much all year round. So there's mm-hmm. no there's not going to be any room for deer in that. There's plenty of other land around that we don't use that they can stay in. I just – for what I have specifically, I don't want to invite them in. They're going to – I guess make make – uh, area that you don't care about more attractive to the deer than where you are. Yeah, as long as they're not really around the house or in my production, I don't. I don't care. I just don't want to invite more than there already will be. Yeah, I guess that. I that's guess that's true. the proper way to word that. I've thought about it'd be kind of funny. And I'd be getting in a lot of trouble. But I thought about getting a bunch of like guinea hens and letting them go into the woods to eat all the ticks. Do it. And then. <laughs> Do it. He's going to stop you. Get a hundred of them. Let him go. A uh, uh, game warden or something, probably. Like, I don't think you could do that. You know, look at your county laws. If there's nothing against it, then nobody's going to know. How, nobody's gonna know. The the other thing I'd like to do but would they be, live through um, the winter? I don't know. See, the winter might just take care of it. But that's a lot of a lot of issue you can do. Like for me, we had a really bad problem with fleas, and I just ordered fifty thousand ladybugs, and then they took care of our flea problem in two days. Not a single flea left anywhere. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know ladybugs. How much, how much are 50,000 ladybugs? How much is that? So I bought them in late summer. So there's, I got about 1500 for $1.50. So then I just ended up buying 50000 It was like 45 <laughs> bucks. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. It was, it was, it was crazy. Because when you let go 50,000 ladybugs, it's 50,000 ladybugs. Do you have video of this? No. What? Yeah, I did this before I even met you. Well, you were taking pictures before you met me too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't video anything. I, I'll probably do it again Damn. this year. If I, but again, it was so bad. I walked outside in the the back pen, and I stood and counted. There were four hundred fleas on each on each leg. It was a ridiculous. It was it was insane. Where are all these fleas coming from? Probably, Why are you bringing fleas home? They were just there. It was, it was in like the back pen where the dogs stay, and it's 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 a it's like an acre. I'm just like we cut the grass. That's gross. We, we spray. It was awful. It was disgusting. We sprayed every. We spray, We tried. Nothing worked. We tried to spray the ground, treat the ground. Nothing. Not a thing. Mm. Fifty thousand ladybugs did it, and we don't have that problem this year. I got there this year. I haven't had a, I haven't seen a single flea on my leg or fell one bite. Good. It's it's awesome. I thought about similar to the guinea guinea hens and the um and the rabbits. I thought about getting a bunch of bunch of pheasants and just like letting them go. See, but you need they're considered uh, wild game, and so you need like a game license or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ignore all that shit. So, for me, we have, Georgia used to have a 
ton of Bob White quail. So I fully intend to, whenever I get to where I'm going, hatch out like one or 200 Bob White quail every year and just throw them outside. Take them, just drop them, all of them in a spot. I don't care what happens to them. I'm either feeding something or who is going to stop you? You're in Montana. Yeah. If you're, if you're breeding, if you're breeding and hatching out two, three dozen pheasants, it's a native breed pheasant and releasing them. Nobody's gonna stop you, because nobody's gonna know. <laughs> you know. But I'm gonna have to talk about it, like guys, guys. You can talk about it, but then That's just what they have to show. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but just say, just say you've you've been you know feeding pheasants and you've had a boom in your pheasant population locally. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, you can word it differently. I mean, they're just wild chickens. I think it's ridiculous the amount of regulation there is on something like that. Yeah, the amount of if you were if you're taking conservatory into your own hands, just do it. Okay, there was a story uh, somewhere. I don't know if it was here or just on Facebook. This lady was feeding deer meth. <laughs> I think and I these, heard about this. These deer on meth. We're going out and just raiding trash cans and then bringing tr- like stuff back to this lady, supposedly. And then she turn around and sell it and then feed them more meth. And I think I'm I like, did hear about that. That's awesome. That's not exactly wildlife management, um, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? If they, we have deer on meth, we have just tons of other bigger problems. But I want to get like into, cocaine bear. Yeah, that even cocaine bears are fine. We have other problems. Um, but I want to get into people's intervention when it comes to livestock. I think people get way too involved in their livestock for no reason. You want get I, They're also very sensitive about it too. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm sorry. Let me see if I I'm can not, find it. I'm not giving a chicken a bath. I can go buy a new chicken. Do people give chickens baths? If they have like a if they have something I forgot what it is. If they have like clogged up something. Oh, I did, I have done that. I, I did hot water and uh Epsom salt to cuz there was like some weird something or other it ended up being water belly which there is no treatment apparently yeah and so like if i can if i can i I do minimal intervention so like i'm gonna help it along very minimal intervention and if it if it can survive cool but like it's jeremy we'll 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 talk shit about him because uh he's not here and uh that's that's his pet that's not that's not live it was it was like a pet yeah at a certain point livestock goes from pet it goes from livestock to pet, but for me, you have all these people who are getting into chickens. Reason, I'm like, it's a damn chicken. I'm sorry, eat it. If it's acting weird, eat people, it. Eat it. You know, hatch out, hatch out some chicks next year. You know, <laughs> I don't understand. Like um, a lady, I do some yard report. Took hers to the vet. No, Why she did A chicken to a vet. Eat it. I'm looking for, dude. I had a I had a tweet and I thought I was being funny. 
but apparently it was very like controversial um, about what is and is not a, a chicken tractor. Where, okay. where is it? I, will, I know for sure I'll have it, a definite answer for you on what it is and is not a chicken tractor. Man. And did you have an example? Yeah, I'm going to show you right now. Found it. Please, please do. All right. Let's see. Go back here. Present. Share screen. Okay, here. Is this a chicken tractor? Yes or no? No. Why not? It's just not. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me why? Yes. It's a circle of wire. It's got no... Listen, it has no structure. It has no any sort of foundation. So that say, is not a requirement for a chicken tractor. You just have chickens contained in an area that you can move. That's a chicken tractor. No, that's a temporary pin. If you were to put so, that on like for, to like put a cut up two by fours and frame it at the bottom, yeah, that's I just don't believe that's a chicken tractor. Borderline cruel, I was told. I mean, no. They have grass. It's not like they're starving enough. It's it's cruel. Padre allows it. I don't think it's a chicken tractor. I think I just don't. It's just a temporary pin. Chicken prison, Agora said. It's a uh, it's it's a chicken tractor. I disagree. <laughs> Well, anyways, that that that's my minimal minimalist uh, livestock management. That's how I do things. Actually, just let them go. I I, I I did it. I did that because there were some weeds right there, and I wanted them to eat the weeds. Yeah. Well, they just sat on the weeds instead. They didn't eat any of it. Well, you should have left them there for two or three days. Give them some insects. Yeah. Don't feed them. Leave them. Ma make them, make them hungry. Make them they'll, again. Make them hungry. They'll eat. Sure. You're not starving them. You're not beating them into submission. You're just like, look, I'm gonna not feed you this corn. Eat that weed. It's simple. No, I think that's it's a that's the type of, in my opinion, I would say that's more land management than chicken tractor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um. But again, I actually, I actually don't. So I used to like to free range my chickens. I don't anymore. No, because they're they get into everything and they lay eggs where I have to really? go find them. Yeah. I just want to go to the same spot every time, and, and because because I go get the eggs. They like well. I'm not laying there anymore. You found my eggs, and so they just change it up every time. Yeah, I found eggs this spring that were laid last fall. And how do I know that? Because I haven't let them out since last fall. <laughs> yeah, I I had I free ranged my chickens one year, and uh, I had one garden bed. They literally dug about halfway down. It was full. They dug about half of it out. I'm like. I have I, I'm I'm young. I haven't tamed my temper yet. I was livid. I threw a rock at this chicken and I literally took its head off. 
I did. I I didn't even expect to hit the chicken. I was just though near the chicken skirt. Nope. I just. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. What it, happened it, to the chicken? It died. <laughs> I mean, well, I hit okay. It. Did it run around like without a head? No, it just, just flopped around for like just a little bit, and then just no more. I ended up throwing. Whoops. Yeah, I ended up feeding it to something. I'm just like. I can't, I can't let them out anymore because, again, like deer, they're yeah. they, when they don't, when they're where you don't want them, they're a pest, like a weed. If it's if it's a plant where you don't want it, it's a weed. So, yeah, I, I feed them well, I house them well. I help, and then I have another the uh, a lady who I do some work for who also has chickens. She's I've had so she thinks like. So for me, I'm simple. They're chickens, people. Mm-hmm. They live. They can live outside just fine. Um, I put my chicks outside. I just put them on the ground. When I have a broody hen and I'm hatching inside, and she had, I, I had a broody hen with 32 chicks one time walking around the yard. That's she, so many. She was a boss, and they were at different stages. This tall. This tall. This tall. Just all different, and she just had them all year. She took That's care funny. of them. A couple would go missing here, or there. That's fine. I didn't have to take care of them. <laughs> you know, survival of the fittest. Hands off. Well, when it gets yep. like cows and goats, so get a breed that is good for your location. Yeah, gets good for your climate. And then make sure it gets enough nutrition, minerals, vitamins, everything. You'll be fine. If it, if you have to help it give a give birth, eat it or sell it. You that's that's a cow you don't want. If it's yep. not, if Same it's with not, sheep, goats, if all it's of not it. A kid mother, if it drops a kid in the pasture and walks away, eat it, sell it, get rid of it. Um, people. People keep those traits in animals and have subsequently lowered the quality of the breeds. Like Borgos. And they made more work for themselves. That's it. And they make more work, lose money, lose time. You know, it's... Yeah. People baby their animals. And you you see this a lot on, like, small hobby farms or homesteads. It's like your, your animals are pampered from head to toe. I mean, yep. if that works, you that's that's cool. But in a realistic situation of trying to, for me, I'm trying to manage the landscape. Give me two. I was gonna say we should wrap up. Yeah, I'm on. So. so with goats, they just they just need shrub and brush, a shelter, and water. That's it. And then maybe some supplemental vitamins. Some people would even argue on the shelter. I would. I do. They don't always need. If you have a good wooded area, they're not going to get wet. They're not going to get that wet. They don't need. They don't absolutely need shelter. If it's yep. just something like rain. Yeah. Well, cool. That's all I had. Yeah. All right, Mister. Uh, too busy. I had I had my phone over uh, all my buttons. 
had to move it. I know, great story. All right, there you go. Grant Payne, too busy. Yes. Homestead of Payne on places. You can find yeah. him sometimes. Pretty much all of them. Yeah. So. And yeah. I'm Matt, farmhoplife.com. You can check us out. We're a traveling homestead family. We do podcasts, interviews, tours, and this men's farm. And next week, we're going to talk about why. Who cares? That's a worst you, topic today. You inspired <laughs> this one, so you you better like it. Um, this give is, me, this give is me all about you. Give me some more detail. What is why? Who cares? Why? Who cares? Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Bye.